0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs won all six games against a Phillies team fighting for the last wild card spot home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. Leave us a five star review and a rating so other people can find the show. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, weird stats from a May season and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And I am joined by the one, the only Danny Rocket. How is it going for you, Danny, on this day after a Cubs season? sweep of the Phillies, which I believe has never been done before.
1: Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, th- that was pretty cool to see. I mean, I can't say that the Cubs are actually knocking the cover off the ball, but the pitching was really good. And the team seems to be clicking uh, with some of these young players just kind of like able to. I mean, play a tight game and win a two to one game, or win a two nothing game. They they shut them out yesterday, and I don't know how much of that is the Phillies just kind of self destructing because they're known for their, at least the last few years, for their kind of uh, you know September demises, and we're just being a part of it, playing spoiler. Fortunately, it helps the Brewers, but what are you going to do? I mean, it, it's it's fun to see. I mean, you're a Cubs fan, you want them to win. Is this su- surprising that they're playing this well at the end of the year? Yeah. I I must admit, I'm just pleasantly surprised. So I'm just going to take what I can get and enjoy the ride.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty wild. So I'm looking at the Cubs pitching stats for the second half on Fangraph. So this isn't like from the All-Star break or anything like that. I know those numbers are a little bit better. But your Chicago Cubs starting pitching in the second half, ERA of 3.46. That is good for six bests in Major League Baseball. The teams that are ahead of them, are all playoff teams the teams that are ahead of them are the Dodgers, the Astros, the Cleveland Guardians, the Atlanta Braves, and the Tampa Bay Rays. The Cubs are better; have better second half pitching than the New York Mets. Like I love this. I love that their starting pitching is coming together in ways that nobody predicted. There are very few things to be like super in on the Cubs on in twenty twenty two. It has been, it has been the epitome. Of uh, just kind of a mediocre season all around, but this this is good, and they can build on this. They those arms aren't going anywhere for a long time.
1: Yeah, good young arms, and we're about to see all of them because as we you know continue fall training here at the end of this year, like yesterday's game, it's you have uh, the Javier Assad going out there for the f- first six. Did he do five or no? He did he, five. He threw five. And then you had like the kind of Michael Rucker as the bridge. And then you saw Keegan Thompson come in and take the last three, like that kind of back end of the rotation slash bullpen slash starter kind of world that I think we're going to be living in at least at the back end of the rotation. Like it's starting to take form. And if somebody out of that group, and then we saw glimpses of it with somebody like Justin Steele, who's remained hurt. Hopefully he can get back. I don't know if he's going to get another start though this year, but, um, or if they shut him down, uh. But Keegan being back, Alzali being back, you you know you've got you're seeing something start to take form there, and it's just a matter of like some of the guy those guys stepping up, and then add a surprise like Adrian Sampson, who I still don't trust as far as <laughs> the peripherals. I mean, the peripherals are like the BABIP off of him is like two forty seven. I looked it up the other day. I'm like, that's going to be worse than that, I think. And then, you know, he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. He, You know, he'll give up his walks, you know, but he somehow dances out of the fire every single time has an ERA under four. So you'll take that every, and he's been durable. I don't think he spent any time on the IL, did he?
0: No, I mean I don't remember any time on the IL. I remember a couple of games where I thought Adrian Sampson was like, "All right, this is the end." <laughs>
1: like he's given up this is four.
0: He's given up four <laughs> runs in like the first inning to the Red Sox. It's like, oh nope, we're done. And then he winds up winning the game. I mean, it's it's pretty good stuff. You can't be upset about it. The guy that is blowing my mind uh, is Javier Assad, who yeah. came out of nowhere seems totally legit. I do not remember him being on any list of like this is the pitcher that you should watch for from the Chicago Cubs. And frankly, like Javier Assad looks like a dude who can totally be your sixth seventh man in the rotation, mid like mid mid-innings reliever type who can give you two or three innings. And frankly, I've been thinking a lot about bullpen management in my spare time because, yes, I am that boring of a person that I sit around sometimes and I think about what what is the next evolution for the bullpen? And and I really think that as bullpen arms are limited with roster slots and those types of things, having those guys who can give you three innings uh, and go one time through the order and get you nine outs rather than two or three outs are going to be super important going forward. It, It shortens the entire game, right? It lets you... Throw a Hayden Wasnieski for five innings instead of seven, and then you can throw like an Alzali or an Assad for two or three innings instead of one, and all of a sudden you've just got a longer bullpen, right? And then you can get to your super nasty closer types at the end.
1: Yeah, and yeah, that is one way to play it if it works out, and it's not going to always work out, of course. But the the only thing that I think about with that approach is if you have a guy throw three innings you, you probably don't have them the next day. Whereas like some of those one inning guys where they're just kind of leaving it all out the field, then maybe you need both. I think you do need both. Um, the, uh, you know, they they can pitch maybe two days in a row, maybe even three sometimes, depending on how durable they are. But, um, you know, I, I, I do like that approach. I I'm a little afraid of the reasons why we're going this way. It's like almost devaluing starting pitcher f- pitching further. Cause you're like, I'll just do five with this guy and three with this guy. And then another dude that throws fast. And that's my game. You know, if, if that's how it's going to be, then they're like, well, you only pitched 130 innings last year. And even though you're a starter, technically, I'm not going to give you $40 million because <laughs> you only, even though you have an ERA under one, you only, you only go through the order twice, you know? So it's like those, this kind of devaluing pitching, like you know, the seven inning start is almost like a complete game now, you know, Oh, you went seven and you just eyes get wide. Um, you know, you, you're how many complete games were there this year?
0: Dude, I, I can't answer that off the top of my head. Like I know where to find it, it but you're, you're going to have to look that up Yeah. while you're looking that up. I mean, I think you are right. That it, it feeds into the devaluation of starting pitching, but I would actually push back on that a tiny bit and say that starting pitching has already been pretty substantially, devalued the number of guys who are getting that chance to go through the third time through the rotation uh, the way Marcus Stroman did in a really great start against the Phillies to kick off this series. It's just, it's just fewer and farther between. And and I don't think it's coming back because that's a skill that you have to develop over time. And unless you are given the opportunity when you're in a in a season that doesn't matter when you're in a season where you you can like play out what happens and see what would happen uh the third time through the rotation and and figure out how to mix your pitches and figure out how to get guys out that third time through if you never get a shot to do that when you're a rookie or a sophomore in a sophomore campaign or whatever it's not surprising that by the time you're 25 26 and hitting arbitration everybody's like well he just can't go third time through the order because he never got a shot to right and so it's sort of like if that is the situation that we're going to find ourselves in anyway where the only guys who ever get a shot to go the third time through are like the premier could be a number two or number three starter type of guys then I don't I mean by all means build yourself a bullpen where you have a lot of guys who can give you two or three innings rather than a bunch of guys who can only get out three guys
1: yeah, and we saw that Brewers do that uh, a bunch, you know, the, with the openers and the this and because the, they'll have somebody instead of going two times through the order, they'll go the one time through the order and that's the opener. And then they'll have somebody come in and do the five innings, maybe even finish the game. So it's almost like the reverse of what we just saw with Keegan Thompson, you know, um, the, I'm looking at up the, the complete games right now. And, you know, I know this is almost like a dead era of baseball at this point, Sandy Alcantara, who probably is going to win the Cy Young this year, I'm guessing out of Miami, um, five complete games. um, 220 innings pitched
0: Fergie's like rolling his eyes over there. Like that was too safe for me. Like I I, I did five complete. I did five complete games in April.
1: Mm -hmm. Of Framber Valdez of Houston, uh, three complete games, Aaron Nola, two complete games who we saw in this series and beat. And then a bunch of guys have one and then it, but the list is over quick, pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Like there's not, I don't know how many results are on this page, but there's a lot of guys tied for fourth and then the list ends. So it's, it, there's not a lot of them. Yeah, um, no, the complete the game thousands has of games. Yeah.
0: The complete game has pretty much gone the way of the dodo bird. I mean, the last guy who was really doing bunches of complete games in my mind for the Cubs was Kyle Hendricks. And he doesn't, he's been hurt most of the year. Yeah. So on the 60 day IL, it'll be a, one of the really interesting questions for next season is does Kyle rebound? Does he come back? as Kyle or does he come back as something, a lesser version of Kyle. That's maybe like the fifth guy in the rotation doing some other stuff. I don't know. That's one of the really interesting off season questions for my mind, but I will say that it is nice to see some depth in the Cubs pitching um, staff and, and and depth that can be versatile, right? Like, yeah. yeah, Steele looks like he's a starter. He looks like he's going to be. Now, the question is, if Justin Steele's your number four starter, I think the Cubs have a pretty good rotation. If Justin Steele's your number two starter, I'm not so sure. Like, yeah. I like that's sort of the big question mark for me. But Justin Steele looks solid. Hayden Wisniewski, who finally got challenged by a lineup that can hit as opposed to the lineups he has been... Pitching against who he's just been kind of dominating. You know he came out against the Phillies lineup that can mash. Got Kyle Schwarber hitting off forty-two bombs after being non-tendered by the Cubs. No, I am never going to live that one down. Like one point five million dollars. <sighs> you think the Cubs couldn't use a guy who can hit forty-two home runs? I just cannot with this team. But anyway, Kyle Schwarber can mash. Nick Castellanos can mash. Bryce Harper is a former MVP. He mashes like these got Hayden Wasneski faced down this lineup, went five innings. Stayed in the game, only struck out three, but honestly got himself a W out of it. I think that's outstanding. I'm excited to see what he can do. If you've got him and Justin Steele at the back end of your rotation, maybe Keegan Thompson is your number six guy who can go long or give you a spot start here and there. Marcus Stroman, uh, resurgent Kyle Hendricks, and then go out for the love of God and get somebody who throws over 95 miles per hour and strikes guys out. I kind of like what the Cubs are doing here.
1: Yeah, no, it could definitely work out. Uh, of course, you, you you have the the sophomore jinx to contend with next year with some of these rookies that we learned about this year. But um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be growing pains with this kind of stuff. But uh, the it's it's working out right now, and you also know that there's not a lot a big book on some of these young pitchers. So that once the book starts to come in, this is what he's going to try to do to uh, you know when Hayden Wisniewski sliders doing this, don't swing at it. Cause it's a ball. Like when those things start getting known, um, you know, then it'll change it, but then it's all about adjustments. So like in a losing year, when you're doing fall training, it's nice to see them getting the work in the practice for a year that it matters. What you're hoping is that they could put it all together next year because nobody wants to wait for it. And if you can slot these guys back and let them, succeed and learn the league. You need to go out and get yourself a veteran. You got Stroman and you're right. I mean, if, if Kyle Hendricks comes back, that's fine. But isn't Kyle's the one that's supposed to be kind of back endy right now?
0: I mean, yes, I, you would, you would think so, but I suppose there is a world where he makes some adjustments and tweaks some things. And the thing that I noticed about Kyle Hendricks earlier this season, and and then he was hurt and I didn't know, I didn't want to like dive too deep into something when he was dealing with injuries and stuff he was throwing that four seam way more than he threw his throws his sinker. And that's just not his game. It's the same thing that was happening to Stroman at the start of the year It was almost like the Cubs were trying to turn guys who are ground ball contact guys into four seam, get guys out at the top of the zone guys. And and you cannot do that when you throw 88, like you throw an 88 mile per hour fastball at the top of the zone and miss you are, <laughs> that ball is getting set to Waveland. Like yeah, I, I you can't, I believe, that's not a plan.
1: Yeah. I believe they can catch up with that. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, and and that really depends. I mean, I worry about what Kyle Hendricks has in the tank at this point. You know, it seems like that injury was pretty severe to keep him out for the rest of the year. Um, Or they just didn't want to waste him in a year that wasn't going to work out for the team overall. But I think you do have to go out and get somebody. And we talked about it on the Twitter spaces yesterday. It's like when you look up and down the list – Aside from some people opting out um, of their contracts or, you know, teams denying a, uh, a team option and stuff, there's really not a lot out there. The the pitching's kind of old. Um, it's expensive, and I don't know if that's the way they're going to do it if they're already showing signs of life out of their system and the guys that they have, which is a little disheartening. I wonder if there's a trade on the horizon. I mean, you know, everybody says empty the tank for Otani, but you know, that kind of sets you back. Yeah. I mean, it just seems. The,
0: The whole point of the last couple of seasons was to rebuild the farm system. You do not go like empty the tank for some guy. So for one guy, who's already like, look, I love what Otani does, man. I watched uh, the back end of his attempt at a no-hitter last night, and that was one of the most fun baseball games that I have seen in a long time. I was having a blast. Otani was having a blast. Like, he was, he was, you know, low-key, just kind of chilling on the mound. Like, he was he was interactive. His, his facial expressions were great. Uh, you know, he's, like, kind of playing around with the crowd and stuff. And then when he gave it up, he was, he was not even – he didn't really even seem that upset about it. He kind of turned around and looked at the shortstop, who I firmly believe that first hit was not real. Like, it kind of, like, bounced off the shortstop's glove and, like, out into left field. And really, if the shortstop had been playing shortstop, he would have made that play. It was because they were shifted that he didn't. Like, I had this moment where I'm like, can we call that an air? Like, let's just call that an error. And I saw a bunch yeah. of other people, Eno Saris from the Athletics and other people, like, that could be an air. And then there was another hit that was definitely not an air, which I felt good about. Because honestly, if Otani had only given up the one hit and it was like, eh, might be an air, I would have been upset. But the best part is that like air hit thing happens. And Otani kind of turns around to his teammate and just goes like, puts both hands up by his face and like looks out like tunnel vision, like, dude, we've got this. We got to, we got to focus on the game. We're going to win the game. And I just thought that was so, so great. He gets out of the inning, he kind of does a little fist bump. And I was just like, you are a Fun human being. You are a fun player. I want to root for you. And I do not want the Cubs to take the farm system that they just rebuilt to invest all of it in one person who could theoretically get hurt or have issues or this, that, or the other thing. Like, do the process. You're gonna do the rebuild, do the rebuild. Like, keep your Pete Crow Armstrong, keep your canario, see what happens as these guys come up. Keep your Ben Brown, keep your keep all the guys that you got for the guys, and like let me see what they can do when they get to Wrigley Field. Spend Money. You have money to spend on free agents, and that is where you should go get your players, not on trades, maybe on trades later to supplement. But for right now, go spend money on a shortstop. Spend money on a starting pitcher. Spend money on a first baseman who can rake. Spend money. You have about $150 million before you hit the cap. I just saw a couple hundred people hanging out at Gallagher Way for the League of Their Own event, which, by the way, was fantastic. Marla Hooch was there. Betty Spaghetti was there. Marble Ann was there. A woman who played in the All American Girl Professional Baseball League, who I am blanking on, who I was like so starstruck when I saw her, was there. Like these women were there. It was incredible. The Cubs gave out hats with the Rockford Peaches logo and the Cubs thing on the back, and it's already one of my new favorite hats. You are making money, hand over fist. You're going to make more of it this year with the Chris Kindle market on the Wrigley and the ice rink in Wrigley Field itself. Take that money and spend it to get free agents to supplement this team and let's win the absolutely broken NL central.
1: I'm with you here, here. <laughs> I mean, but I'm looking at the list though. That started to bring it, to bring everybody down. I'm looking at the list here. I mean, what are you going to do? Like go for a 43 year old rich Hill? Like, what are you going to spend the money on? Like I'm looking at these guys. There's well, first of all, you don't know what options are going to get picked up because uh, you know, anybody, I mean, DeGrom, injury history, player option at 30 million. I'd say he might take that, you know, unless the Cubs are going to do 40 million. You paying an injured DeGrom 40 million? I don't think so. Justin Verlander, 40 years old. Carlos Rodan, he had a good year, player option. I don't know if he takes the 22 million again or if he's looking for something else now, you know? Maybe he could get 30, had a great year. I don't know. He's not even 30 years old yet, but he will be next year. Noah Syndergaard. We, you know, like the list goes on and then you're into your, and then that's your top tier. That's well, your, and then you get falls off from there. Unless, you know, Kershaw, I guess. Like Well, technically could be, he is a free agent, but.
0: Yeah. I don't think Kershaw's going anywhere. Um, no. A couple of names on, on here that I am, I, I am intrigued by Carlos Rodon. I think that Carlos Rodon actually fits pretty nicely with what the Cubs need. They should have done it this year. They should have done it this year. They absolutely should have done it this year. I think that he, he's a power pitcher. He's exactly the type of pitcher they don't have right now. He's a top of the rotation type of arm. Yes. He's had injury issues. I God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Trust the pitch lab more now to manage things like injury issues than I used to. And I, and I, I feel better about them theoretically going after a Carlos Radon than I did once upon a time, you know who else I really like on this list that is not as flashy. And I think would be a great pickup for the Cubs, but would be not a top of the rotation guy. It'd be like another, like another guy to slot in that number three spot is Chris Bassett,
1: who has been nothing
0: but great for the Mets and the A's for years. Like he's just been kind of under the radar, low key great uh, for a lot of teams. One of those guys who like, Every fifth day comes and gets guys out. But again, he's a number three type of another number three type of guy. You would really need a Justin Steele to take another step forward or a Hayden Wisneski to take another step forward if you wanted to go the Bassett route. But I think you spend some money on Radon. You do a short term, high AAV type of deal to get him here just because I think that's what he's going to get anyway. I think that is now the move with injury people. I think you pass on DeGrom. I think you pass on Verlander. I think you pass on Kershaw, because I don't think Kershaw's coming available yeah, he's anyway. Not, yeah. He's a I'm Dodger for life. Name, because but... the Dodgers understand that you're supposed to have some players for life, and 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 they spend money to make sure that happens. Wild how that
1: Weird. works. Weird weird. Well, uh, somebody that, uh, I, and then I think you spend that- money on
0: Wilson Contreras. Cause by the way, I just want to, I, the Cubs need a catcher people. Young Gomes in the backstop spot has not been inspiring. Uh,
1: people seem to be okay with it. Surprisingly. Um, uh, drew, drew smiley too. I, I I still don't understand what everybody's talking about with that option. That's not what's listed at spot rack, but, uh, I, I, he had a nice, after coming back from injury yet, once again, he actually, looks pretty good. The one name that uh, Crawley threw out yesterday on uh, the Twitter spaces. And I did see some rumor about this, but coming out of Japan, not tied to the, all the international money or the posting or whatever you got to do uh, the Kodai Senga. Oh yeah. You hear about so, that? So I'm, I'm
0: intrigued by Senga. I think Senga is really interesting. I also like the idea of the Cubs investing more in uh some former Japanese players. I think it would be good for Otani to have a cohort of people or not Otani, sorry. <laughs> We're yeah. just talking about Otani. I think it would be good for Seiya to have a cohort of people around him that, you know, I, I think it's helpful to have people who understand where you're from and what you're doing. I mean, I we've talked about this before, Danny, I don't think on the pod, but off air. You know, you look at the Cubs dugout sometimes, you see all the Latino players just kind of they they just like cluster around Wilson Contreras. I mean, there's just like this little crew in the dugout, and, and uh, Christopher Morrell, Nelson Velasquez, Fran Mel Reyes, and Wilson Contreras are all just like hanging out, fist bumping. And they're actually they're having the most fun in the Cubs dugout almost all the time. Like there's a little party going on <laughs> in the corner. And I'm like, I wanna go Morrell. hang out. I wanna hang out in the Latino crew. <laughs>
1: Christopher Morell is having so much fun that he's fist bumping ri- the Ricketts brothers on his way to the, to the on deck circle.
0: It's amazing. I-
1: Yeah, he's just like, hey, Tom Ricketts, fist bump, fist bump. Like, no other players do that stuff. They're focused on what they're going to do. Christopher Morrell's like, yeah, I'm going to fist bump the owner, then I'm going to hit a three-run homer and win the game. Which he, by the way, won two of these games pretty much single-handedly.
0: Single-handedly.
1: Yeah. And Home runs and
0: back-to-back games, and Christopher Morrell can't. Well, and you know what? I think he is in the lineup again today. That's four games in a row for, like, the first time in a month. Good job, Christopher Morel.
1: Yeah, uh, well, and he hugged me. After I sang him two songs on Monday, then he hit two home runs. Coincidence? I don't know.
0: I think you did it, Danny. I think you did it. I was actually looking at Christopher Morel's stats prior to this game because he is on my tout wars team. And I desperately need Morel to stay in the lineup and keep hitting those bombs and stealing some bags for me uh, so that I can finish in second place in tout wars. I probably cannot run down the leader in tout wars right now, but I can certainly finish second. And that would be pretty darn cool. I'm not going to lie to finish second in that league in my first year in it. But um. Christopher Morrell is back up. He's got his, if you look at that 15 day rolling Woba graph on Fangraphs, which is one of my favorite tools that Fangraphs does. And the reason I like it is because it gives you a sna- nice snapshot of what somebody has done in their, their recent past to sort of see, are they on the upswing? Are they on the downswing? Are they struggling and whatnot? He is definitely on the upswing that 15 day rolling Woba's back up to 350. And he's been playing a lot more, which I, I am here for. I think that he has a ton of, of potential. I think the, the his max exit velocity and his barrel rate is legit. He has enough plate appearances at this time that we know Christopher Morel can be a power hitter and hit the ball really hard frequently in the major leagues. The only question is whether he can compete against some of the nasty breaking and off-speed stuff in the league. And, and frankly, yeah. he's 23 years old. He hasn't seen a lot of that stuff. He just has to see more of it so he can get better at it. And I love him fist bumping Tom Ricketts. It's my favorite thing that's maybe ever D- happened.
1: Yeah. No, it, it's hilarious. And here's the thing that he, he maybe needs to learn about that off speed pitch is, is just not to swing at it because one thing that he doesn't do is walk. The man <laughs> doesn't walk. And in he fact, walks I was more looking- than
0: Javi. He walks more than Javier Bias. Well,
1: I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what is that? What am I supposed to do with that? And like, you and I through. walk
0: more than Javi.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We walk around the ballpark more than Javi by us. He, Christopher Murrell, uh, between games 65 and 87 that he played in August, all those August games, he walked one time. Once. <laughs> so, you know. He likes
0: to swing the bat, Danny. That's
1: 21 games. Well, the problem is he only hit three home runs in that. Or no, four home runs in that span. So it's not really enough to just be like po you know, just flailing away. Because um sixteen home runs though, in uh three hundred sixty-three at bats, four hundred eight plate appearances with the arm, also defensive, his arm is really good. I his mean great arm. And he needs
0: to control it a little bit. He's got a little bit of Dunstan in him, but he's got a great arm.
1: Well, I mean, look, at you got him in center where you got to throw it really far and as hard as you can. Then you're like, okay, now you're playing third base where you don't have to throw it as far as hard. Now you're playing short, and, you know, and then you played second yesterday where you don't have to throw it hard at all. So it's like you're all over the place into what you want me to do. And I understand that you have to do all these different things, but it's just like for him to have a 752 OPS right now, in, in his rookie season with 16 bombs as a guy that nobody even was clocking as somebody who should come up, you know, who's on anybody's prospect list either. And this guy just comes up and does all this and plays all these positions at the same time. It's not like he came up filled in for one guy like Patrick wisdom when he was injured. And then like, he's like, well, you know, just plays third base. Here's another third baseman, you know, but this guy is all over the diamond doing all sorts of things with a lot of talent. And that's what you notice. And not only that, but just his personality is just an instant fan favorite. He's got an infectious smile. He's um, super grateful for his opportunity to be here. And I don't think he's going to waste it.
0: I agree. And I love that. I think that all of that is outstanding. Speaking of other guys who smile a lot, super grateful to be here and making the most of every opportunity. Wilson Contreras was back in the lineup. Uh, You know, I, I, I sort of, Figured if he was going to come back this year, it was going to be for the homestand, give him a few more games in front of the Wrigley Field faithful. And and I was not disappointed. I would like to thank the Cubs for that one. Um, you know, he gave his, they asked him about his impending free agency stuff and he gave exactly the answers you would expect a player to give, which is it's part of the process. We're going to see what happens. We're going to look at some offers. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. They asked him about the qualifying offer. He said, part of the process. We'll see. I'll evaluate it with my agent. And I think that's where we're at with this whole thing. But I just, I just have to say it has been a remarkable pleasure to watch that man thrive when he was not on any of the top-tier prospect lists back in 2014-2015. Nobody thought Wilson Contreras was going to be the man to to be the guy for the Chicago Cubs at any point in time. And and here we are, the best catcher in the National League plays for the Chicago Cubs. He is a World Series champion and he will always, always be my favorite player.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be really heartbreaking when he takes over for Yadi Molina in St. Louis next year. It's just gonna hurt me so much. I I might have to. I was saying on the spaces yesterday, like it might wreck me, and I might have to just go on sabbatical, like a little cub sabbatical. Be like, all right, I'm gonna step away from this project for a moment because I need some time to grieve. You I know, can't watch I. This.
0: I blame Jed Hoyer for this fully 100%. I think he doesn't understand how much we care about these guys and their personalities. And he thinks they're all just widgets that can be moved around and that you can like fall in love with Jan Gomes. And they like push it on state media on Marquee all the time. And it's like, no, I'm not going to fall in love with Jan Gomes. Thanks, though. Like, that's not how any of this works. And and it's, it's not rational all the time. But in this instance, Wilson Contreras is literally better at Jan Gomes than everything, And a 2016 World Series champion. So I don't understand how you think these two are just interchangeable parts, Jed. This this may be how your spreadsheets work, but it's not how my heart works. It's not how any Cubs fan heart works. Uh, Speaking of, I want to talk about the guy where Jed made his biggest miss of all the misses, which is one Anthony Rizzo. But we are coming up against a quick break on the flip side we're going to talk Anthony Rizzo and his managerial debut we're going to talk Aaron Judge and his 61st home run we're going to do a little bit of some playoff previews and we're going to preview six games against the Cincinnati Reds uh, because why should we do two series previews when there is one team for the final six games of the season but first a quick break for our sponsors We're back. Um, They showed Aaron Judge's 61st home run on the big board at Wrigley Field the other night, and they left out something very critically important that I found on social media later, which is that Aaron Boone and Anthony Rizzo were kind of joking around before the game, and it was a day off for Rizzo. So Rizzo was the acting manager in the Yankees dugout for this game and the screenshots of this are incredible you got Rizzo like pouring over the lineup making lineup decisions my personal favorite moment which I retweeted yesterday there's this moment where the Yankees are trying to decide if they want to do a replay review and you got Anthony Rizzo in there and then he's like yeah roll it roll it roll it we'll let, let the game keep going Rizzo's got his manager face on it's one of the funniest greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life and I am absolutely furious that it is not happening for the Chicago Cubs because Jed Hoyer didn't understand that Anthony Rizzo should have been a cub for life.
1: Yeah. I mean, could it could have used his 32 bombs on this team? Just so consistent with that, you know, for, for years, remember he would hit, I think he hit 32 and six. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. He always hit that like 31, 32, 32, like for those bunch of years in a row Well, he's back to it and he's got that short porch to, to do it with. I haven't looked to see whether, it would have been homers at Wrigley, but I mean, the guys he's having a great year. And then you look at the Cubs first base situation. And unless you're just going to like give that job to Mervis next year, which I don't know if that's, I don't know how that's going to transfer. Talk about a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. um, Hitting bombs down in the minors. I, people have already ordained him next year's home run championship for the Chicago or champion for the Chicago Cubs, but I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to cry over spilt milk, milk anymore, but, yeah, Anthony should have been a cup for life. He should have ended up with a statue. Um, it Just, you know, there's there's two pedestals that are empty, I think, out there in Statue Row in Gallagher Way, and Anthony should have had one. Maybe he sh- still could get one, I don't know, but it's really too bad. He should have been here this whole time. He's doing better this year than he did. This last couple of years with the Cubs too. Um, I don't know. It's like, it, it's so sad to me. It's so, I it's mean, so
0: sad. Yeah. what a mistake. And it's so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Like, you know, uh, and I'm looking at his uh, projected home runs by ballpark right now. Not sure where he would have wound up. It says with, uh, at Wrigley field, he would have hit 29. So just shy of that 32 mark that he got in New York. But it also says, that in Cincinnati, he would have hit 37 and he would have had a bunch of games in Cincinnati.
1: Yeah. He would have had a lot of them. He would have had nine games in, in Cincinnati. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I'm tra- Who did he get traded for? Who do we get for Rizzo? Mario And yeah, uh, well,
0: I mean like, look, I, and look at interesting player. Like I'm excited, but like also I'm more, I would have been more excited to be an Anthony Rizzo statue unveiling in 30 years. Right. Like I would have I would have loved to be there in 30 years when Anthony Rizzo got honored the way Ferguson Jenkins got honored this summer. And I just feel like that's a missed opportunity. And it's a missed opportunity because this Cubs front office does not understand heart and they do not understand the loyalty of the fans and what we care about with Wrigley Field at all. I was so I told you I went to this uh part of this League of Their Own showing yesterday. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It was it was a lot of fun. I found myself like tearing up, just walking up to the ballpark and seeing the whole thing. Um, when Wrigley Field comes into view on that movie, because that's where they hold the tryouts for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League in the movie, the audience spontaneously applauded. There was no like <laughs> cue for that or anything. It was just like this whole crew of people on Gallagher Way cheering for the ballpark that they're sitting right next to. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it got me thinking, these people understand how to monetize that, but they don't actually understand what it feels like and why we love it so much. And that's why they can trade in Anthony Rizzo. That's why they can let Wilson Contreras go to the Cardinals and be like, oh, well, we had we, catcher data, dur, 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 just didn't fit, blah, blah, blah. The timing wasn't right, whatever. Like, that's that's why they can do these things because they don't understand the heart of it. And Theo, you know, made some mistakes, did some good things, did some poor things. We should talk about Jason Hayward on this show. Cause Jason Hayward is one of my favorite Cubs from the 2016 team. And he's getting a goodbye tour this weekend as well. And I want to make sure we appreciate the great work that Hayward has done in Chicago, but Theo had a heart. He understood the heart of this game. Like he understood what makes Wrigley field tick and what makes Fenway park tick and why those places are different than a lot of other places in baseball. And this current front office just doesn't seem to have that.
1: Yeah. And also, if it was Canario that he got, he wasn't Canario that he got traded for. That was Bryant. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Rizzo was traded for uh, Kevin Alcantara and uh, it was all uh, at the same time. So uh, if Canario had an awesome year. So, I mean. If I think it was I've blocked
0: Can- out parts of the trade deadline in 2021 for my own mental health.
1: Yeah, well, Canario had an awesome year. We should probably should spend some time going through some, what some of these minor leaguers did do this year. But overall, uh, he rocketed from uh, low A to, uh, to triple A. Or uh, not low A. Well, A, high A, actually, to triple A. And he hit 37 home runs this year. So if if that was for Chris Bryant, that trade Um, Kevin Alcantara stayed at, in Myrtle beach this year, he's only 19 years old. He hit 15 home runs. That's all very great. It took him nearly 500 plate appearances to do so. Um, Yeah. That I'd now that I'd rather have Anthony Rizzo for like if Kevin Alcantara. Even if Alcantara ends up great, he's only 19. So we're not even going to see Kevin Alcantara for maybe two, three years. If, if he's lucky, if he works hard, young man, (laughs) but uh,
0: we'll probably be traded as part of the package for not Shohei Otani.
1: The other guy we got was Alexander Vizcaino.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: um, Who did we trade him to the Yankees? Seems like he went over there. Do we get rid of him?
0: Do, I I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it seems he played for the Yankees this year. Cubs. No, he was on uh, Oh no, that's how we got him. It's just it's backwards. He did not play this year. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a big problem. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, yeah, but no. that's that goes that's, back to what we've talked about on this show before, which is that prospects have a long way to go before they get to major league baseball. They're not promises. They are human beings who are going to have some ups and some downs, and some of some of these guys are going to make it to major leagues, major league baseball someday, and some of them are not. And that's you just got to accept that. Like it's not like you just like set a clock and you know in 2022 here comes Miguel Amaya. Like that's not how this any of this works, even a little bit at all.
1: Yeah, the Rizzo take is really disappointing. Looking through some of these numbers, not only did Vizcaino not play this year, but he wasn't even good in the minors. Like this guy's got a a career ERA in the minors of five, (laughs) 4.97. What? Why'd you even want him? You're like, keep him.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about some slightly happier things. I was happier
1: before. Now we're bringing everybody
0: down. (laughs) Jeez, Danny, our beloved blue Jays clinched. They will be in the postseason. We will get to be the cup of cubby blue Jays for at least one wild card. Uh, one wild card series. I'm looking forward to this, Danny. I think it's going to be fun to have some postseason excitement on the show. And I think it's also going to be fun that our only true rooting interests are our beloved Blue Jays, obviously, and the teams we hate. This is going to be a hate-filled postseason. I will be doing my Cubs guide to the postseason and how your haters guide to the postseason posts like I always do next week. Um, But I was thinking about this and I'm like, yeah, aside from the Blue Jays, it's really just about how much I want these teams to lose. Like I want the, I want the Cardinals to lose. I would like the Yankees to lose. I would like the Dodgers to lose. I would like the Astros to lose. I would like all of these teams to lose to the underdog teams, period. And stop.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The other team, there's one other team that I would like to win. And that is the Cleveland guardians. And uh, it's because they just have a young, fun team. I don't know really much about them, but you know they have a pretty long World Series drought, if you if you recall.
0: <laughs> they do. They do. So and
1: they're I'm from a okay the weak division. That. They're definitely an underdog, as would the Blue Jays be in this situation. I
0: like Tito. Terry Francona is great. Terry
1: Francona. Yeah, exactly. So you get and and it would make the White Sox fans mad as well. Okay. So you get, yeah. So I'm Whoever's so I'm going to throw them Cleveland's in the mix.
0: Social media team. A plus plus troll job. Like I have never seen a social media team so effectively troll another fan base in my life. I think the Brewers try to do that to the Cubs sometimes, but they're bad at it, and so we all just kind of laugh at them and don't pay attention. But honestly, Cleveland effectively trolled the White Sox after they clinched, and it was it was pretty funny. It was worth a follow. Uh, I'm I'm okay with Cleveland winning some games. I like Jose Ramirez a lot. It's pretty great. Yeah. Jose no, Rodriguez, a guy extended by the team that. Never mind. I'm just not going to get into this whole like the thing about extensions and why the Cubs are allergic to them.
1: And I guess the Mariners are interesting. <laughs> I just don't know anything about them. I know they've got like a really young superstar. What's his name, Kellenic Jul- or something?
0: Julio Rodriguez. Kellenick Ju- oh, has been a disappointment, man. Oh, he Julio has. Julio Rodriguez is having See, a 2020 season as a rookie, and he's great. Oh, and everything. I him love Julio every- Rodriguez. Yeah. Well, that was the deal, the extension deal. Okay, you're just going to make me talk about extensions, Danny. It's just like what we're going to do today. That was the extension deal that I really feel should be the blueprint for like every player going forward. Because Julio Rodriguez is either going to make enough money to be totally fine and happy and take care of his family and whatnot for a couple of generations uh, going forward. Or he's going to make the largest amount of money in Major League Baseball. And the difference is that the contract has all these escalators for things like if you win the MVP, we owe you more money. If you win the ba- the batting title, we owe you more money. If you get to be an all-star however many times, we owe you more money. And so it's basically like you're either going to make $120 million, which would be obviously great and fine and all of us would take that, or you're going to make $400 million because you earned every penny of it. And that is a great contract, and I hope Jed was taking notes.
1: I I'm looking at this Mariners team too, as far as like a team that we might ro- want to root for a little bit. And it's, it's interesting. They're basically the reds of a couple years ago <laughs> because they have a Eugenio Suarez on this team. He has more home runs than Julio Rodriguez um, in 22 more at bats though. And, and uh, more games. And then they also have Jesse Winker on this team. They have Adam Frazier on this team. Was, wait, was he a pirate or a red?
0: He was a pirate and then he was a Padre and now he's a Mariner.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, and then Jesse Winker, that I mentioned him already and Carlos Santana is oh, on yeah. this team too. So they've, they've kind of got a bunch of old NL central guys on their team too. So that's kind of interesting.
0: I like that Mariners team. I've watched them quite a bit. I also um, shout out to Paul Seawald who is really fun relief arm in their bullpen, kind of their like nastiest pitcher back of the bullpen guy, but they use him in safe situations or in the seventh inning or in the eighth inning or whenever they think they need to use him. Uh, my friend Mikey Ajeto who um, does some great writing over at baseball prospectus uh, is a huge Paul wall fan. And I know that whenever Mikey is excited about a pitcher, I should be excited about that pitcher because Mikey knows his stuff about stuff.
1: Cool. Yeah. I mean, it should be, uh, they, I don't think that they've uh, been in the playoffs for quite some time, the Mariners. So good for them. Um, And, and they have a fun hashtag hashtag see us rise with S E A see us rise. They might not be into that as the global warming continues to make the seas actually rise. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, like, this Danny, is
0: a, this too a, soon. Like Florida is underwater. <laughs>
1: Well, that's the different – that's the others. It's the West Coast.
0: Yeah, but I I don't know, man. Um, No, the the Mariners are fun. I can cheer for the Mariners. The Mariners are in that, like, vast middle of teams along with Cleveland and the Padres and a bunch of – I'm like, yeah, they they would be fine to cheer for the Phillies. The Phillies are in that crew. I really need the Phillies to get it together. Now that the Phillies are no longer playing the Cubs, I need them to end on a winning streak because, honest to God, nobody seems to want this last wild card spot in the National League. It is wholly (laughs) pathetic what is going on here. I just looked this up. This morning check this out. So, there's two wild card spots up for grabs. San Diego could lock in one, Philadelphia could lock in one. Milwaukee is half a game out now that the Cubs swept the Phillies. Uh and the Giants are still alive. The Giants have won four in a row to stay alive and stay in the wild card hunt. Meanwhile, San Diego has lost two, Philadelphia has lost six or five, sorry. And yeah. the Brewers have lost one. Like that is <laughs> Yeah. Nope. They're going to give Nobody one of these wild card it. spots to the Giants, and I am going to laugh so hard.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the spot shouldn't exist, in my opinion. This is the expanded playoffs garbage that makes it so that a 500 team w- will end up the third wild card spot, and you got to watch a 500 team. You should not be rewarded for mediocrity. You're not a playoff team. You're a 500 team. You should not be allowed in the tournament that ends up as the world series. You shouldn't be allowed to just get on a hot streak at the end of the year after playing 500 ball. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody cares. The Phillies aren't good enough. The Brewers aren't good enough. The giants aren't good enough. The Padres should be good enough, but they're just total failures. At least they have 86 wins. That's a, you know, so far, maybe they get 90 wins, which would make you a decent team, I guess. But like, the Cubs get ninety five wins and were a wild card team back in the day, and that back yeah. in the day was three years ago.
0: Something weird is going on with that Padres team, and I cannot put my finger on it. They have so much talent, so much talent. I mean, the, the rotation is good. You got you Darvish, you got Blake Snell, you got Joe Musgrove. Like the rotation is great. You got Juan Soto, who is like Ted it's supposed to be Ted Williams reincarnated, and all of a sudden can't hit. You got. Josh Bell, who had a monster season to start the year and has been absolutely awful since he got to San Diego, got Manny Machado, who is having one of the best seasons of his career. I mean, I just, I don't understand why this Padres team does not win more baseball games. Like I cannot figure it out
1: because it's not a team. It's not a team. It's a bunch of individuals and they, they got a bunch of egos on that team and it's a problem. And so they can't put it together and everybody's, you know, they just got no vibes.
0: No vibes. The vibes are bad. And that is a disappointment because the City Connect jerseys for San Diego are good. And I even bought myself a pitching Ninja City Connect like colors shirt because I wanted to wear it all through the postseason. And now I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, this really, this team does not have vibes.
1: <laughs> they don't. And they got a bunch of great players and it doesn't matter. I mean, that's the Phillies too. They got a bunch of great players. It doesn't matter either. They got no vibes. They're just self destructing before no our vibes. eyes. Yeah. And, uh, and I was, I was talking to a Philly fan last night, a Phillies fan came on the Twitter space that we hosted last night. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to become a Cubs fan after listening to you guys. Like you guys are just fun. Like, you know, you're smart about your team. You're having a good time. He's like, Phillies fans, like they're looking at this and they're like, this isn't fun. Like he said, people He goes the, first of all, the Eagles are so good that people have already tuned out of the Phillies. They're even their own fans are looking at their team and be like, even if we do make the playoffs, like I not, might not watch because this team is not going to win anything. They're not good. It, you know, so if your own fans know that you shouldn't be in a wild card playoff race, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't be. Maybe this whole, like, let's have half the teams play in the playoffs. It was a bad idea. Um, it is. Whoa,
0: Rob Manfred, bad idea. You don't say. Like, I hey, am stunned that Rob Manfred I'm, had a bad idea.
1: Some of these ideas, and I'll give it to him, some of these ideas coming up, some of the rule changes, I think they're okay. You know, speeding up the game, pitch clock, stuff like that. I'm all right with it. The, um, But, yeah, this playoff thing, no. It, 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 this ain't it. Because, you know, it, th- these teams aren't good enough to be in there. They don't belong there. Like, maybe, if, if in fact, since we're playing everybody anyway, let's seed it. There's better teams in the AL. We're playing everybody all the time anyway. Like, <laughs> You know, why do we have to have all national league teams in there? Like Like, just let the Mariners in and keep the Phillies at home. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look at the schedules. I mean, or look at the, the standings there. I mean, if, if you look at what all the teams are doing, like the best teams aren't in the, in the national league this year, you know, I mean, actually, if you look at it, see the three top spots. It's about the same, actually. It's just mediocre.
0: No, it's mediocre. What they did is they sacrificed the September playoff races for more playoff games because they can sell the playoff games for more money to the networks. It is a cash grab that has taken all of the excitement out of the playoff races. Yeah. And that was predictable. They want to make it worse. They want to add more teams to this playoff debacle. Like, can you imagine if the Giants were like fighting for a spot right now? They are seventy-eight and whatever. I'm like I...
1: seventy-eight and seventy-eight.
0: Come on.
1: Yeah. Some year that third wild card spot is going to be taken over by a team that's under five hundred. We, already... yeah, we already. Yeah, we already. Yeah, it's already if you go back through the standings, there are years in that when that would have happened that either a 500 or just a game under 500 would have taken that third spot.
0: Yeah. Why not? Um, Let's preview this uh, Cincinnati Cubs series, which by the way has no playoff implications whatsoever, but The games that the Cubs have played against the Reds this year have been more fun to me than the games that they have played against some of the other bottom-feeding teams. Like I don't know about you, but most of those Pirates games, with the exception of that game where the Cubs scored 21 runs, were just kind of like... They were a little bit sloggy for me. They were hard to watch and hard to get into and it's hard to get up for the Reds games have not been that these Reds games have been fun. The Reds have played the Cubs pretty well. They have some fun young players who they're given a look right now. This TJ Friedel kid, this Jake Fraley kid, like it's the Aristides Aquino does nothing all season and plays against the Cubs and turns into Babe Ruth. Ian Happ (laughs) will be in the coldest slump of all the cold slumps goes to Cincinnati turns into Ted Williams. It's kind of an incredible thing to watch and, and I am here for it. I, I am ready to see Ian Happ and Aristides Aquino go off for the last six games of the season. Let's talk probable pitchers though. First, uh, these are, all these are off the rotowire pitcher grid. Cause there's some question marks in the MLB list. And I think that rotowire has got this pro- one probably correct. It looks like for the C- games at Wrigley, the Cubs are going to go Adrian Sampson, then Drew Smiley, then Marcus Stroman uh, against Graham Ashcroft, uh, Nick Lodolo and and a guy named Anderson, and I'm not sure what the C stands for. Is this a Chase Anderson? Is, is uh, yeah, Chase it's Chase Anderson. The,
1: it's the Chase Anderson, you know, from the he was on the Brewers for all those I years. I do and then remember he got that guy. Yeah. yeah, I was
0: thinking for a second. I was thinking of Brett Anderson, the guy that was on the Cubs, and then like oh, the Cubs for like messing him up, and then like yeah, that dude. But no, Chase the, Anderson. The,
1: they call them the human wheelchair. <laughs> That was literally his nickname. Oh my
0: God. What are we even doing right now? Uh, Let's, let's talk about these Wrigley games first. I I like the Cubs chances in these games, especially if Smiley gets one last start in the season. You remember he skipped his last start because of shoulder issues. Danny, what do you see in these matchups?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I guess Chase Anderson's kind of the, maybe he's the uh, Drew Smiley of the Reds in that like he's pitching for his next contract to see what he's still got in the tank. Um, Graham Ashcraft, we're actually going to face twice. We're going to face him on the last game of the season. And we're going to face him in an hour and a half. So, um, the Cubs, you know, they, they did okay off of him. Uh, but they have, uh, they got four runs about a month and a half ago off of him. And they have a, uh, 935 team OPS in 43 plate appearances, pretty team op- plate appearances. So that's pretty small sample size, just a couple of games. um, Friend, uh, Fran Mill Reyes and Patrick Wisdom have homered off of him. So we're going to see him twice. So I looked up him the most. And then, it, I mean, then you got Samson going out there today. And we already talked about him. Uh, like The peripherals are like, eh, maybe he's the luckiest pitcher in baseball. That's cool. Um, Nick Lodolo is going out there for the Reds game, too. We got four runs off of him last month. But he was really good against Milwaukee last time. The Reds haven't been good this month. They In this month, they're 9-18. and 18. They just got swept by the Pirates. So that's where they are right now. Um, you know, Stroh, he was awesome the last time out there. You know, when he went out uh this week against the Phillies. Only gave up, I believe, one run. Yeah. Yeah, that he was Strowman was, the, Stroman that was, was outstanding. Yeah, those are Str- tight. That game.
0: Was seven innings pitched. Seven six, innings. Six strikeouts. Strowman was nails, man, and I am curious to see if he can do it again. Well, I have um Let's look at the back end of these pitchers, and then I have a very specific Reds request I need to make. But the uh, games in Cincinnati will feature Wade Miley, Hayden Wisneski, and Javier Assad going up against Hunter Green, Luis Sessa, and Graham Ashcroft. Again, we already talked about Graham Ashcroft. What do you see in the rest of these? I am curious to see how Wisneski in particular does against these Reds. He's just faced them and kind of had a great outing against them, and I'm curious to see if he can do it again the second time they get a look at him.
1: Yeah, especially in Cincinnati. And, um, yeah, Hunter Green, he looked like he was going to be hunting for a job, but, you know, with his 4'13", 366. But his last – this month he's put something together. Uh, had 11 strikeouts versus the Cardinals and 10 versus the Pirates. His last four outings have been really good. So, I, I thought that guy was just kind of like I, – I didn't think he was going to put it together, and he seemed to. Uh, Luis Sessa beat us in uh, just – this month, actually, struck out 8 through 5.2, and we already talked about Ashcraft. I mean, we're looking, it's, its and it's fall training for our guys. You know, let's see what these dudes have. Let's see what the rotation's going to look like next year. And everybody's going to go home and figure it out. Some I don't know who's going to go maybe play this winter. Or pro- the pitchers probably won't, but I wonder if morell will. wonder if he'll go down and play for the Aguilas again or something like that.
0: I mean, he might – Christopher Morel strikes I, – I, and I know I keep comparing him and Wilson Contreras, but that's because they're always together, and it's very clearly like a mentor-mentee type relationship, and I love it so much. But, um, you know, Wilson Contreras, one of my favorite anecdotes about him is that he just kept showing up to these tryouts in Venezuela after he had a contract with the Cubs, and they were like, hey – Wilson you're you're good man you, you got a contract and he was just like no I just want to play uh and Christopher Morrell strikes me as the same guy you just like show up and like play with the Aguilas or something and be like I just want to play I'm just here to like play some baseball let's do it
1: <laughs> Yeah and uh you know I, I don't know if Esteban Quiros has any future on the Cubs I kind of hope not but He's leading um, off today Oh, I saw that yeah that's something Uh but I mean he's fun to watch I mean little guy you know in his thirties getting a shot, you know, it's, it's good to see, um, you know, but I could see maybe, you know, him going and maybe catching on with some team down there too. Although he played in the Mexican league, maybe he's more apt to go play with team Mexico or uh, something, something over there. But, um, yeah, I don't know how I, I got in the winter. Oh, cause it's almost winter. That's why
0: <laughs> it's, it is almost winter, but yeah. let's not think about that because it is going to be in the mid sixties all weekend long at Wrigley field and, Perfect weather for hanging out in the bleachers one last time before we say goodbye. Uh, to baseball for a few months and and put it, put it aside uh, over at the friendly confines. So before we get to hot hitters, I have a very special request for any Reds management listening to the show. I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago, Joey Votto was just like roaming around the stands saying hi to fans. And I thought it was the coolest thing that I have ever seen. And I really, Joey Votto, please come hang out with us in the left field bleachers. I think you would like it there. I think we would be very kind to you and we would not troll you like we troll all of the Reds left fielders because we would be so happy. Happy that Joey Votto was hanging out with us in the left field bleachers. So, Joey Votto, if you are listening to this, please come hang out in left field. Thank you. Love the bleacher bums in left field.
1: Yeah. Come on out. <laughs> I'm sure this he is
0: not going to happen, but how cool would it be if it happened?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're going to go anywhere in your Joey Votto, you're going to go to left field bleachers, I believe.
0: Right because that's the best place to hang out at Wrigley Field. I think he might also do a rooftop or something. But anyway, this this is my request for this, this last homestand. I want a Joey Votto sighting somewhere in the stands at Wrigley Field, and I really feel like this could happen. Uh, he has been great on social media as he sort of dealt with this injury-plagued season late in his career. He had a real nice um, tweet the other day talking about, all these people speculating if Aaron judge had taken too much advantage of the short porch at Yankee stadium or whatever, explaining that, you know, professional hitters know where they're hitting and try to take advantage of the parks that they're playing. in. And if Aaron judge was not taking advantage of the short porch, he would be taking advantage of something else in some other park and that he would be just fine doing that anywhere else in major league baseball. And I thought that was a nice level set um, from one of the greatest hitters of our generation and a guy who understands hitting better than just about anyone.
1: Yeah. Cool. Um, Can I add that uh, this weekend that you should also, Joey Votto should come see the Bleacher Bum Band? Yeah, go uh, for it. I'll be there. Yeah, Bleacher Bum Band's playing Nisei Lounge uh, right after the game on Saturday. End of the year, Cubs karaoke party. Bleacher Bum Band's going to do a short set as well, and then uh, we're going to sing the rest of the time. Everybody's going to have a great time, and it's going to be a blast I'm hoping some of the cubs show up. I know that Bleacher Jeff's been inviting them. Uh and it's free. So, just a blast. I'm, I'm trying to some-
0: figure out my karaoke song. Uh we were hanging out at Murphy's the other day with Evan Altman from Cubs Insider and Tiffany's. I think we're alone now came on and I was like, "Ah, that might be a good that might be a good karaoke song. That's one that I can that's definitely in my range that I can handle, but we'll see. It'll be a game time decision and it'll depend on how many white claws I've had that day." <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, they d- definitely will help you get up there. I don't know if they'll help you do well <laughs> when you are up there. Why don't we sing "I've Had the Time of My Life" and do like a a, a ballet dance break,
0: dude? I can totally do that. I I was uh, I did ballet for like twelve years. You know this, right?
1: I did it for like two classes. Yeah, in, I definitely in, have in at least theater school.
0: At least ten. Uh, performances of the Nutcracker under my belt, and um, the only reason there aren't twelve is because I was hurt for two of them. I had ankle injuries and couldn't couldn't do the roles that I had. I was watching from backstage. all sad.
1: Aw, uh, well, if if not that one, uh, we can maybe do uh, how about I got you, babe, Sunny and Cher That's a classic one.
0: I don't know if I can hit those notes. I'll I'll, I'll take a look and see.
1: I'll, I'll do the Cher part. You can do Sunny. <laughs> I'm taller that than would, you, anyway. That
0: would, that would be pretty
1: funny. I'll, uh, I will bring a I will bring a share wig, and do my and do my share impersonation.
0: If if Danny and I do a duet where he is share and I am send. <laughs> I You will hear about it here on cup of cubby blue. Danny, in the meantime, where can people find you? I know that you have a rant or round table coming up uh, to look at the end of the season. We will be doing obviously a very special playoff preview for our next episode of cup of cubby blue, but wh- where can people find all of these amazing events and takes and things going on?
1: Yeah. At sun ranto S O N R A N T O like Ron Santa with the R and S switched. And I, that's where you find me. Everywhere awesome. that you could be found.
0: Awesome. Uh, you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah and singing some half of a duet with Danny at Nisei Lounge on October 1st. If you are so inclined and brave enough to venture out, uh, you can find both of us at at Cup of Cubby Blue or retweet episodes and things related to this podcast. Give us a follow so you never miss an episode. It's been quite a season, Cubs fans. We'll see how these last six games against the Reds go. Hope it goes out um, on a high note for some of our favorite players and that the Cubs can can scrap together a few more wins. Fangrass is optimistic. They think the Cubs can get to 73. We'll see if that happens or if they exceed expectations. And we will be back next week with a wild card series preview plus your Cubs fans haters guide to the playoffs. Uh, until next time.